guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're speaking about the afterlife with a deaf doula. Just before we get into that, though, I just want to say, please make sure you're subscribed to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you also can leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you use, that helps us massively as well. I'm sure you hear all of your favorite podcasters say that, but it honestly, it does help spread the word of the podcast. You can find Paranormal Thoughts on Facebook and Instagram as well. And we have also recently started a private Facebook group for people who are interested to discuss this phenomena in a safe, non-judgmental environment. All the links to all the socials and everything you can find in the podcast description. And of course, if you want to reach out to me, you can message me on Facebook or Instagram or just email me at paranormalthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you just need me to hear you out on something, I'm always happy to hear from you guys. In this episode, I'm speaking to Dylan from Illinois and Dylan reached out describing some of the phenomena she's experienced her entire life and I was extremely curious to hear more and once again I wasn't really 100% sure where the conversation was going to go or you know the extent I suppose of her experiences and you know the weight that has come with that for her you know everyone is so different and unique within this phenomena where some people might have these fairly significant events happen, but then they can kind of move on from that and not maybe energize it or even give a lot of time to it. But then there's people like Dylan where, I mean, she kind of can't escape her experiences. You know, they're, they're constant, they're still happening. Her experiences branch to a lot of elements throughout the paranormal. Specifically in this episode, we're speaking about her being a deaf doula because I asked her, what do you consider yourself? And her position in all this is that she sees and communicates with the dead. And she has given herself that title of a deaf doula, which if you look that up, it is a person who provides compassion to people near the end or I guess who have crossed over to the other side to give them guidance to help them figure out where they need to go in order to find peace. I mean, we don't, we don't really get into the conversation here. She's also an abductee as well. And I did speak to her for quite a while about that, but I'm going to save that for another podcast because there was a lot to speak about there. And yeah, this was honestly, I felt like it was great to get to connect with Dylan. And we have been speaking a fair bit about her experiences and mine and it's kind of great when you get to meet people who you can really relate to within somewhat of an isolating topic, you know. This is a bit of a long chat. I think I'll leave it there and I'll let you hear my conversation with Dylan, the deaf doula. Thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Dylan Perkins. I live in Illinois in the U.S. My career background is in horticulture, and it gives me purpose in life working with plants. But starting from the time that I could form language, I just, everything was really off about me. And my, my family especially did not know how to handle it. So I've been very isolated in all these experiences. And there was even a witness to the experience that I'm going to share with you today. But I've basically have, you know, experience, near death experience. I mean, I still, to this day, I see spirits. I have been abducted. I've had contact with, I guess you'd call them aliens. So my whole entire life has been really strange and kind of out there. And it's caused me to be somewhat more isolated from my peers. And I'm really glad that we're starting to come into this age where people are opening up their minds about these things. So that way, people who have had these very off the beaten path experiences, they're not so isolated and if they have experienced trauma they can start to work with it but um i don't shy away from the experiences i learned from a very young age that trying to fight it or trying to shut it off and trying to be quote unquote more normal it actually made things ramp up so i've just since then completely embraced the fact yep this is my life this is my perception this is my reality this is what I have to live with. This is how it's going to affect other people. This is how it's going to affect me. And I just have to move through my life like that. What an interesting place to find yourself, I suppose, is that you really do have to be open to it and really enlighten to it in order for it to, I guess, not completely consume your being. Like, that's that's amazing. So I guess it comes to that conclusion, but what a position to find yourself in as well. Yeah, it was interesting to me because I heard of people who, you know, have these experiences and are capable of perceiving these things. And all they have to do to make it stop is just be like, I reject it. But when I reject it, it ramps up. So I just had to accept that for whatever reason, this may have been by, and I don't necessarily believe in a God or anything like that. I'm pretty sure I've determine things for myself, but it seems like this was kind of planned out, whether it was me before I became me or whatever the heck, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, there is no fighting it. And at this point, I really wouldn't trade it for the world, despite all the pain and sort of alienation it causes me from my peers. Because the majority of my peers, like people my age, so to speak, they don't have these experiences or they're at least not talking about it. So, Yeah, it's hard to open up with people around you. And I guess that that is, as you said, people are coming more and more around to it. And fortunately, I guess by having a bunch of different avenues through the internet from, you know, 
podcasting, YouTube, Reddit. There are a lot of avenues for people like us to really reach out for that. But I know exactly what you mean. It's like people in your in your circles or even, you know, in your friends' circles too. Like having yeah, having these conversations is it's tough. Even I can speak from my personal point of view, you know, the experiences I've had is one thing, but then even talking about doing this podcast with people, you know, there's always people either are going to be interested, like, oh, tell me more about that, or they just look at you like, you know, you've just said the most unbelievable thing they've ever heard, you know. So, yeah, I feel like we are quite protective too of who we speak to about our experiences because, I don't know, I guess it's the safest option. I do get sick and tired of people labeling me as crazy. I mean, I've been labeled crazy the majority of my life, and I do get sick of it. Yet on the other hand, it's like the world probably needs to start getting accustomed to these topics and to this phenomena because from at least what I'm observing, it's ramping up. You know, it's starting to become more normal. More people are experiencing these things. And if I can put myself out there and even at the risk of like having people label me as an absolute nut job, well, maybe one of the people in the vicinity will be like, I want to talk about that. I've had something like that. I'm not crazy. It's like, no, you're not crazy. You're absolutely not crazy. I mean, the world is infinite and wide and nothing is really impossible if you think about it. It's the unlimited possibilities, isn't it, really, that it's just people needing to open their minds to these concepts. But yeah. But yeah, I I know having that label um, of, you know, being insane or anything like that, it's, yeah, it's very damaging and it does weigh you down, as you said, but it's great to hear that you're still having your say because you do believe that it is important and I, I 100% agree. So please tell us, where does your experience start then? How old were you and tell us all about that. So I was three years old and I was in the passenger seat of my father's white Ford Expedition at the time. And I remember the car very specifically. My father, he's, he was never the most intelligent man. Um, he had me in the passenger seat, no booster seat, no seat belt. He was like, they don't work. It'll be fine. So three years old, right? That's around the time that children start really interacting with physics whether or not they know that is another story but that's when children start to get interested in like hey how how does the world work around me and that's exactly what happened to me i was three years old i wanted to know how the world worked so i decided to open the door of the passenger side of the car and i fell out fell out onto the road and i remember what the speedometer said, I remember he was driving 70 miles per hour exactly. And I fell out onto the road. And everything went black. And after that point, I kept my eyes closed. And everything didn't end. I heard the rush of water around me. And I opened my eyes. And this is the weird part. I was actually born with royal blue eyes. I remember specifically my parents and teachers telling me the color of my eyes. Because I was still at that age where I was like trying to figure that sort of stuff out. And they were like, oh, you have royal blue eyes. You have really blue eyes. So when I opened my eyes, 
the color of the water is the color of my eyes now. So the color of the water was like this green, blue, gray color. And there was no need to breathe. It was like everything I needed was already in my body. There was no pain. There was no discomfort. There's actually rather comfortable. And I'm just taking in my surroundings. I look below me and I see just this infinite crevice of darkness below me. I look up and I see that there's a light on the surface of the water. And I hear, it's almost like the voice that came in my head was one part me, one part someone else. But I heard a voice in my head and it said, it's not your time. You have to go up. So I started to swim to the surface. And when I reached the surface, as soon as I got my hand on the edge of the surface, I was back in the car seat. Only things got a whole lot weirder. So I'm back in the car and I have no control over my body whatsoever. And I opened the door again. Only this time, my father caught me by the arm and this completely defies physics. Like, he can't explain it. I can't explain it other than maybe everything was just supposed to be aligned in such a way that I had to exist. But he grabs a hold of my arm and I'm suspended in the air. I'm seeing the speedometer as this is happening. He is still driving 70 miles per hour. The door of the expedition is still open. I have no idea how. He's driving 70 miles per hour. That thing should have shut on his arm. He would have let go of me and that would have been the end of me. But instead, I stay suspended in air and the car door stays suspended open. And it felt like forever. We just, he just held me there and stared at me and I stared back at him. And eventually he hoisted me back up and placed me in the seat and we just kept staring at each other and we didn't say anything for the rest of the drive. And when I turned, when I was about 15 years old, I brought it up again to him. Every time I brought it up to him, he would tell me that couldn't have happened. And he would look so scared. The same exact look on his face he had when he caught me. And we were just staring at each other, suspended me in air. Wow, okay. I'm not really sure what to make of all of that. It's interesting that you recognize the fear still in his face as if he he knows that it happened by the sounds of it. But I don't know, it hasn't come to terms with it actually happening or I don't know what what do you make of this experience now all these years later have you ever come across anything like it well that's where it gets a whole lot weirder as if the whole initial experience wasn't strange so I had another near-death experience later in my life closer to my teens like early 20s and I went back there and I could see the surface now. And essentially what happened was I saw my body. There were like hundreds of my own body washing up on this shore, on this island looking thing. And when I came back, I started doing research and I found this place called the Shore of Corpses. Um, I think it's, it's it's an um so it's how do I really explain it? So I found this place called the Shore of Corpses, 
and apparently it has something to do with Norse mythology. And I don't know if it's because I'm of Scandinavian descent or if it's coincidence. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if that's relevant. But I found out that there's this place called the Shore of Corpses in a location of the underworld within Norse mythology called Nephilhel, which is basically the northernmost point of a territory of the underworld in North mythology known as Hell. And I didn't even go into like, oh, who's the ruler deity of this place? I know it's starting to get pretty freaking weird. But so I didn't know anything about her at the time. But years after that experience, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a semi-translucent woman hovering over me and half her face was gone. It was just bone and she didn't have an eye in it. It was just empty. And she said, I'm, I was there and I'm always here. And so I started to do research on like, what is this thing? Is this even a concept? And it found out that there is a quote unquote goddess of the Norse pantheon or whatever, and her name is Hel. And she basically resides over the underworld. So just these weird, I don't know if you'd call them synchronicities, but there's these strange connections, this experience, it keeps expanding on itself. It's very fascinating that you've been able to come away from that research and actually have something that as you said, I guess from your heritage is actually descended to you. And yeah, you've had these near-death experiences that are actually, you know, people have written about in the past without any prior knowledge to it. Like that's that's fascinating. Yeah. All the sources that I found I took with a grain of salt because um what we know historically speaking of uh it, it's spelled H-E-L, hell. And its territories within it, like, for example, the Shore of Corpses, Nephilhel, it was written by, um, what's his name, Snorlin or something like that. And we're talking about pre-Christian introduced subjects of, like, pagan Scandinavian life. And the only sources that we have are coming from, you know, primarily Christian background and that's not to talk crap about christianity it's saying that well we have to take for a grain of salt the sources because of the influences that they are writing from 100 and their lack of understanding of these essentially these pagan concepts so i don't entirely know i take the sources with a grain of salt but it is really strange how things line up down to this one specific detail there's only one source that speaks of hell having a castle on a high point. And granted, I'm looking all this up after these experiences. So it's not like I've heard about it. Well, here's confirmation in my head. No, it's I have no basis going into this. And I've, I saw the castle. I saw the castle on the edge of a cliff. And it's not too far off the shore. The shore of corpses. and that was the part that took a lot for me 
to process was just washing hundreds of my own body of all different ages washed upon the shore. No, it definitely sounds, as you said, it's it's a lot to take in. And obviously, yeah, the synchronicity of it as well, which I believe it definitely sounds like one. Yeah, the weight of that and I guess what's that all mean? You know, what's the meaning that you're meant to take away from having these experiences? I'm not sure, but I feel like my first initial near-death experience has tailor-made me to have a specific set of abilities, for the lack of better terms, because after that experience, I started seeing the dead, and they started coming to me, begging me to cross them, so much to the point, I had no idea about any of this, so it got its worse when I was seven years old. I was not sleeping. I got 30 minutes of sleep a night. And at one point, I had at least 14 to 15 spirits outside my bedroom door, all wailing. And I just screamed, I can't help you. I don't know how. And my mom ran out and she was like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I'm telling you, they're standing in the doorway. So ever since that initial experience, it seems that I can see the dead and the dead can see me. And they all were expecting me to cross them. So I guess I just kind of figured out on my own how to do that because I didn't know that that was a thing for a really long time. So as a child, I'm like figuring out how to help these people. And in my teen years, and still to this day, I I still get it a lot. I mean, I've even crossed, she was like a grandma figure to me. I've even crossed her and it's not easy, but it does bring me comfort knowing that, you know, there are people who care enough to send you off in the right direction when you have ceased to exist in the form that we currently are existing. So there's at least some sort of solace out of that but it's it's tailor made me into someone who can help the dead someone who can speak for the dead like i've had i can't begin to tell you how many times a day i have someone basically tapping me on my shoulder like i would like to speak to that person please it's like no i'm in the grocery store i have boundaries yeah i couldn't even begin to imagine what that is like for yeah people yeah. in that position i mean it must be well for one what a incredible thing to be able to help these i guess lost souls in a sense be able to move on and but also the amount of energy that must drain from you as well and just constantly because i guess that's the big question is you must be always get being bombarded especially if you're out in public too you know around other people with these you know these spirits attached to these other people you know that you must be constantly being nagged and yeah it got for a while there i was like okay i'm gonna help everybody that i can because this didn't happen for no reason and i burnt out so quick so i've had to since then and what i'm hoping people can hear from this if they're having experiences with spirits too is you absolutely can set boundaries with them you absolutely can say no I have to live my life. Yours is over. I still have some. I'm going to live it and I'm going to do it on my terms. 
because we're not there to serve them 24-7. Just like we're not here to serve other people 24-7. You know, we still have to have us and them. And a lot of times the experience of being stuck or the experience of not knowing how to cross or the panic that comes for a spirit when they've realized, oh, I'm not alive anymore. I need help. It's so overwhelming for them. And there seems to be this erosion of the understanding in that panic state. Like these people need to go about their lives. They have lives too. And you absolutely can set boundaries with them and say, not right now, come back later. Or, you know, if it's too much of a task, you'd be like, I'm not the person for this. You need to find someone else. So that's kind of reassuring. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No, definitely. I think, and that's a great point to make too, that you, yes, you have control over that as well. And you've obviously figured that out, but um, how are these spirits finding you? How do they seek out those who can help them? Do you, do you have any idea on that? Well, I can never say I know anything for certain, but I do know a few things for fact. Oftentimes it's, I'm passing them like how I would pass you on the street and they see me. But what becomes very confusing for them and almost tips them off to, hey, maybe, maybe you can help me, is they don't understand that I'm alive. They see me as somewhere in between. And I think that has to do with the fact that I have crossed (laughs) myself several times and had near-death experiences. So I think it kind of confuses them. But I think it does tip them off to, hey, um, I think this woman has an understanding of how this stuff kind of works because it seems like she's a liminal being. And I, I basically, I would have to say I am a liminal being. I walk the lines between the here and the then. So I think that tips them off and they approach me And also, if you see them and you acknowledge them, which is really hard when you can see in general, it's like, 
I see them like I see you on the street. You know, even if it's just sort of like a subconscious how we, you know, we're passing somebody and you see them and they see you, you know, you see each other. Well, for spirits, that's almost like an invitation. The fact that you've seen them, it's like, oh, good. You can see me. Hello. I need help. And it's like, oh, geez, not today sometimes. <laughs> but I think that if you let on to the fact that you can perceive them, or if they can even see that you're capable of it without you seeing them, I think they can attach themselves to you. Becomes like an open invitation, I suppose. Yeah, because it's, you know, there's not too many people, I, I'm not sure, walking around who can see them. So they see the one person who they can kind of pick up on, oh, you, you can see me, oh, you know I exist, oh, hello, I need assistance. <laughs> so they, anyone who is candidate, basically. How do they typically show themselves? Is it the typical concept of they they look how they died, you know, if they're wearing clothes from a certain period or can they, I don't know, almost show themselves in a time that they were, I don't know, like what, what do you actually see? Well, it's kind of great, the analogy for it that I have. You can dress in whatever you want today. You can wear whatever makeup you want. You could do your hair whatever you want, but it's even a step further for them. They can appear whatever age that they had existed or even hadn't existed at. So I could die at 80. If I wanted to come back and I wanted to appear 25, I could appear 25. I don't even have to appear my age. I don't even have to appear the way I left this world on the physical level. So their range of appearance is so drastic from, because I experience all these ranges. I experience individuals who died older, who are returning, appearing younger. I see orbs. I see outlines of bodies. I don't even see, I don't even see necessarily the details. I'll see full-bodied apparitions, like transparent and non-transparent. I have it in my home sometimes. I have a woman who walks around in my home in a jean dress, and she appears as real as I would appear to you if I were standing before you. So I have this full range, and I think it all has to do with their energy. Like, how strong is their energy? How do they want to appear? What do they think will catch your attention or catch the least amount of attention? It really just depends on what you're capable of perceiving and how they want to be perceived. No, that makes total sense. And that's how I imagined how it work is not that you necessarily know the exact details of how that specifically works, but yeah, they're somewhat in control of that, depends on their energy even maybe their self-awareness of it too. I've always, you know, there's always been that idea that certain spirits don't even kind of comprehend that they're, you know, deceased and so on. So, yeah, you're probably dealing with, yeah, quite a large range of, you know, where these spirits find themselves, you know, in that sort of in-between. Yeah, the most frightening ones for me are the ones who are not aware that they are dead because, (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a problem, right? You don't know what state you exist in. You're not going to interact with your surroundings accordingly. So I have had to inform spirits like, hey, are you aware of the fact that you are no longer here on the physical plane? And 
a lot of times they do freak out. But if you're there with them and you offer them help, then a lot of times the situation can be, at least in my experience, like I can remedy the situation right then and there. It's like, oh, okay, I'm dead. Um, shit, now what? <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you get to where you need to go, wherever that might be. How did you come to, obviously, I'm assuming, because as you said, you start to figure this out at quite a young age, and I suppose it's probably a lot of trial and error, but at what point did you figure out a method that actually helped these spirits? And I suppose, are you still continuing along those lines or, you know, is it kind of a case-by-case situation? Like, what are you doing to give these spirits the answers, you know, or the, the situation they're after? Definitely case-by-case basis. I mean, I, it really just depends on what they need because sometimes they won't know what they need. And they'll just be standing before me and they'll be like, I need something, but I don't know what I need. And I'm like, okay, we can have a conversation. And then I'll have some spirits come to me and like, I just need to tell you how I died. Or I just need to tell you what's keeping me here. I need to get it off my chest. So basically like a therapist. Um, It really is a case-by-case basis. And you can work with them to determine what it is they need to fully cross or start to leave people alone. Like I have, I've had some very, very, very scary situations where some of them did not want to make it easy and they wanted to stay, but they couldn't stay because they were actually a danger to people. So it is a case by case basis and it's not always safe. I had, for example, um, at the place I used to work, two teenagers broke into the place and were like drawing symbols on the floor. I think it was just to be edgy. But whatever they were doing, they opened something up. And my coworker and I went down there because I was like, okay, we need to know what we're dealing with. We need to know if we're safe. We went down there and both of us could hear someone breathing in the back of the basement. And we checked, it was not a person, it was a shadow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then it started to choke me. It, it turned our phones off, it messed our phones up. Like my phone did not work for 30 minutes after that. And it started to choke me. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to deal with this situation remotely, not in the location itself. So sometimes you have to, you know, it's a case by case basis, you have to work with them. Sometimes they won't know what they need and you have to help them figure that out. Sometimes you can't because, you know, just like any other person, they may not be able to figure that out at the time and you have to step away. And some of them, they want help, but some part of them is almost sabotaging themselves. And that was what happened in that specific case that I was talking about was this guy was woken up and he was not someone you wanted to cross paths with when he was alive even. So he was a pretty volatile being and it took me about two months to figure out how to get this thing under wraps before it just totally ravaged me. So it's not always possible to help them. Just like people, they have to want help yeah, and they have to work with you. Well, it was even you saying like, they don't often even know what they want. And it's like, well, that makes total sense, doesn't it? Because majority of people when they're alive 
can't even answer that question, right? So what's to what's to change any of that? What's their past? So yeah, it does sound like it's a lot of uh, counselling and you know, sort of I guess being like their psychologist in a sense. Yeah, it's weird. You don't stop needing emotional support just because you're dead. <laughs> so, and not only that, but depending on what you believe in this life when you're alive, you know, it can kind of make or break what happens after that. So I'll have, I've had people who are like, there's nothing after this. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) so then what are you doing here? Why are you existing still? And they're like, oh, okay. But there's nothing past this point. And it's like, let me show you. (laughs) Um, So really, if you believe there's nothing after this, or if you believe that you're going to hell because you stole someone's candy in the fifth grade, I don't know, then yeah, that's going to cause some complications when you die. You're going to have some troubles like letting things flow the way they need to so that you can be essentially deposited or transitioned into whatever is the best for you. And oftentimes fear holds them back from existing in a semi-content state after they've passed. So fear is a big issue there. Which makes a lot of sense, obviously, having, yeah, whatever your mindset is, yeah, whatever your frame of mind is while you're alive, of course it's going to follow you. I feel like that's such a an obvious concept, right? But even just hearing you say it, like that now, I guess it's just reaffirming, I guess, sort of my understanding of how some of this works. And it, yeah, it just makes total sense if you're maybe stubborn or I don't know, you don't think, you don't have any belief that there is anything afterwards. Well, then why would you just suddenly transition to this amazing place? You know, of course, you're going to have to, I don't know, figure that out. You know, it's just... I think I think and you've already kind of mentioned, you know, you're you're not particularly religious by any means, and neither am I. Uh, but obviously religion plays a big part in really every aspect of the paranormal. You know, it plays a big part. Absolutely. And it plays a big part in, I guess, a lot of portions of people's lives, even though, you know, religion is kind of becoming less and less of a dominant thing. But in saying that, you know, I think spirituality and many other sort of facets are, you know, becoming more popular and but it's 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 a difficult thing to make sense of, right? But I guess that's where we get the concept of like an afterlife, right? With a heaven or what kind of have you. And I've had conversations with many different people, you know, many different beliefs, um, you know, from mediums to demonologists to exorcists. And it's it's really interesting because not that everyone necessarily agrees on the exact same thing that's going on. There's obviously everyone's working towards the same goal, which is often, you know, really realistically is having the communication or at least, you know, acknowledging that these spirits or what have you are there and trying to move them on. And, you know, it's interesting speaking to like an exorcist and saying like, we don't, ha- we don't open up the conversation because they think everything that they're dealing with is negative. But then, you know, speaking with someone who's quite clairvoyant and, you know, like a medium, um, 
there is more dialogue around that. And I guess it starts to really blur the lines of is everything that we're experiencing kind of the same thing or is it, you know, here's your demons, here's your residual type hauntings, here's your intelligent type hauntings, here's your poltergeist, you know, where you kind of start to have all these labels, I suppose, or is it really kind of all the same thing? And I feel like I already know your thoughts around that because I feel like you've already kind of gone into that with, you know, the differing types of spirits you've encountered, including that quite negative being, as you said, that you wouldn't even want to know him while he was alive. So why is he going to be any different in the afterlife? Well, I I have listened to the episodes with the Long Island Exorcist and um, the modern day. Both of those are fascinating because they're both on the right track, if I'm going to be honest. But for some people, I would not recommend that they make contact because that opens them up to attachment. Not everybody can keep themselves safe in a situation like that. And then you have people who they have to make contact to help, right? I'm that person. I would not recommend that everybody go into the basement of that store. And because this the man that I was talking about, he he was a Nazi from World War II. And you can imagine he was not pleasant to deal with. But he needed that contact. But if someone else were to go down there and try to remedy that situation and make contact, well, he would have started playing them like a piano. So it really just depends on the individual. And I lean more towards the side of if you can't handle contact, I would just stay away from it. Because <laughs> mm. approaching the situation in a very non personal way, it can only do so much. You will keep having things pop up time and time again surrounding the same situation because you're not entirely closing things out because you're approaching things as if they're negative. When the reality of it is, okay, spirits were once human, right? Think about interacting with humans. Really, 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 really bad people. They're bad people because they're in a lot of pain. And no, not all bad people who are just bad because they're in a lot of pain want help resolving that pain and suffering. But approaching them as if they are the problem, as if they are intrinsically evil, rather than something has gone horribly wrong in your life and it has drastically altered you for the worst. There's no compassion in that. And I I have found that approaching these things without compassion it, it kind of irritates things it inflames the situation and sure things might be calm for three days but in every situation i have found it doesn't take much time for things to open back up again because things cannot fully close out because you're not dealing with the root of the problem and for most people and most spirits and entities, the root of the problem is I was hurt. I was tortured. I was suffering. I didn't have my needs met. I felt I had a lack of whatever it may be. Ultimately, the majority of the volatile energies, they're volatile because when they were alive, they were traumatized. Well, you can't help the situation without helping them process the trauma just like a person. No, I think that's 
I mean, you've touched on quite a bit just there, but I just want to say that, as you said, I think it's having the right tools if you are in this line of work. And obviously, yeah, the way that you go about it is having the conversation, but you know from having, I suppose, you know, this ability for really your entire life, you know how to diffuse the situation if you need, as you said, you know, not being in the room with that spirit, but rather doing a remote uh, contact and you know what you need to do to keep yourself safe. And I think that's that's a great point. And that's what I often say to people is just, you know, have an interest in, you know, this kind of material, but don't start looking for things that you don't know, first of all, what you're actually even looking for. And just, it's just like having respect. As you said, you know, you're dealing with people who have passed, you know, and as you said, some of them don't even know that they are dead. And then for you to be doing things to open up conversation, I mean, that's, you can see why they could see it as an invitation because they're, you know, extremely confused and you can really start to see why you hear of, I guess, the whole negative connotation of, you know, contacting the dead. You can understand why because it's not this one size fits all situation. There's so much to it. I feel like from having these conversations with people like yourself does seem to come up time and time again because I'm sure you hear and see it all the time of people just you know, doing the wrong thing when it comes to this stuff. And honestly, I think the biggest thing is just people not having the respect for it as well. And and I guess that just comes from a lack of understanding, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I think that's a very important point that, that I think is great for you to bring up here with us today. Yeah, it is frightening for me because I'm, and I'll use this case again, because this is, this is becoming more popular. So in the instance of the basement in the place I used to work, the kids broke in and they were doing stuff they didn't understand. And I understand that it's maybe more popular now or people are just trying to be edgy, but the doing these things with no understanding and not coming from like a well-intended place, thinking of things like, oh, I, I want to be edgy. Oh, I want to be cool. Oh, I want to be powerful. It's like, I promise you, buddy, it's not going to work out well for you. (laughs) And it's not going to work out well for people around you. Because obviously, you know, those two teenagers who broke into the basement, well, guess what? They did something that hurt me. And it was because they didn't understand. And it's like, I really wish that. And I notice this a lot more with like people in their teens for some reason. I'm not sure where the trend came in, but they're they're pursuing these experiences and they're going out and trying to make contact with things. And it's like, you know, I, I really wish that you would maybe not because <laughs> it's, it's very traumatizing. You know, I didn't do that. Right. Okay. Well, this whole thing has heavily traumatized me. It's dangerous. It's scary. Especially if you're messing around and poking your nose and things that, probably don't want to say hi. And I I wish I could tell people that. And I wish I, especially like people who are younger than me, that. But um, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea why people would even want to try 
quite frankly, I mean, maybe that's just because I know how these things are and I know how scary they are. I think it's just the naivety around it and actions have consequences, right? But my biggest thing's always been, imagine, you know, playing with something that you don't understand and then something really negative attaches itself to you. Whatever that effect has on you, you know, it's kind of the sky's the limit. And having having these experiences and not knowing what to do, you know what I mean? No one believes you or, you know, you might not even be aware that that is what has happened. So, you know, you might be feeling ill or, you know, having like a lot of bad luck with everything and you're just like, what yeah. what has suddenly happened to me? You know, like that, that for me, I think would be the, if people really thought about it like that, where you're in a situation where not many know how to help in a sense. And even if, you know, there are people like yourself, Dylan and so on, but it's like people need to figure out how to even reach people like yourself. And, you know, it's it's just a big lack of not understanding. But that that was always a thing that kept me away from things when I was younger, for sure, you know, and only sort of as I've gotten older and having a massive appreciation for for this material, treating everything with, you know, the most utmost respect, you know, because, yeah, if you were to find yourself in a situation where you don't know what's happening to you and who's even going to help you, you know, it's, I think that's probably one of the most terrifying things, you know, just not having the support or the understanding, you know, to be like going to the doctor and having this terminal illness and them just like, we don't know what's wrong with you. You know what I mean? Like, that's very possible. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even really spoken to you yet about how many people you can openly discuss this with and so on. But I mean, I, I'm hearing you, you know what I mean? Like I, I get how difficult at times life must be, you know what I mean? Because it's just, well, it's very strange, of course, but also someone like, you know, someone with such a passion for the paranormal, it's so fascinating to get to speak to people like yourself because you're doing very important work, but it's also just so intriguing to me, you know, it's just, I don't know. Not that I'm looking, <laughs> I like, I don't, I don't mean to sort of, you know, make you feel maybe like, um, I don't know, it's almost like you're in the zoo or something. I'm kind of on the other side of the glass being like, you know, watching, like, let me know sort of everything. But it, it kind of feels a bit like that where, I don't know, there's so much that you must just, well, first of all, so much you've experienced throughout your life, but also, you know, it, it's continuous to, you know, like you're, you're going to have this until you know, until you sort of find your end too, which is, have been even, I don't know, you've probably even had thoughts about what that looks like for you on the other side too, because you kind of walk that line. I decide. I decide when and I decide, well, not not necessarily when. That has a, That has definitely been predetermined for me. I decide where. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And I know where I choose to go at this current point in time. 
because that is something that people definitely have the ability to do. People can choose where to go. But if that's what they really want, they have to align themselves in their words and their actions to go to that place. Like, for instance, you would think after every experience I've had enough of help that I would just turn and run the other direction. But no, Nephil Hell is my other home. That's where I want to go when I pass. And I'm still in contact with Hell, the presider of that place. And I live in such a way that I will get to be with her because I view her as a friend because she treats me well and with respect and she is caring and she is kind and I feel the same way towards her and I align myself through my actions in such a way that when I pass I will go home there I have many homes because if you are a liminal being well you don't exactly belong in one place do you then that can cause a lot of depression confusion I've had to go and sort through all of that and just accept that it's not so black and white I am multi-tiered Okay, I belong here, I belong there. And they both are very contradictory. But absolutely, I, I know people can choose. And I've crossed people who have already chosen where they want to go. And, you know, what's even crazy is you don't have to stay there after you pass. I mean, you're not bound to that location unless you create sort of contract, in which case, I don't know, but that's, that's those people's problem. You can absolutely move. My sister passed in 2020. I check up on her every now and then. She started in one place, moved to another, moved to another. And that is her path, is she moves on place to place, learning about each place, in turn learning about herself. So it's, it's so beautiful that you're not bound you are not contractually bound down to one place and you're not predetermined to any place. It, we oftentimes think of this subject as things being planned out for us or things taking us, but the reality of it is if we possess life, if we possess essence, and no matter what shape, way, or form, if it's in a physical body or not, we are entirely in the driver's seat. I don't know if that gives you some sort of hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, for not so much of late, because I do try to live a bit more in the now, which is good. Yeah, for the longest time, always sort of thinking about what comes next after death. And obviously having all these interests and kind of how a lot of the paranormal does sort of intertwine. I just find time, time again, I'm like, this is all somehow connected and there just has to be more, you know, from my own experiences to obviously speaking to people like yourself, like it was something that weighed on my mind a lot. And then I kind of just, you know, I guess I kind of came to the conclusion of I'm going to figure that out. And it's kind of, you know, I was able to put it at rest. But of course, yeah, speaking to yourself and many other people have sort of expressed the same thing of there is something else. And I think that's pretty incredible that it's not permanent either. You can move around and learn. I think that's a really interesting takeaway too is, as you mentioned, even your sister kind of learning and um, it doesn't 
it doesn't stop. You know, this is kind of just um, your time on earth is a moment and there's more to come. But if you wouldn't, could, is it okay to ask about your sister? I don't want to. Um... Absolutely. Okay. You can totally ask. I'm sorry that you've lost your sister, but I'm assuming for someone in your situation, it, it obviously it just must be different, right? That you have the ability to see her. And of course that doesn't, I'm sure depending on the situation, you know, you'd love to still be able to live your time here on earth with your sister, but how are you contacting your sister? How is that different? Because obviously you're seeking her out or she could still be seeking you out, of course, but that's someone who you're actually looking to have that conversation with that isn't a stranger, you know? So how does that work, I suppose? So my sister, obviously, when she was alive, she was a very sassy, in-your-face type of person. So if I think about her or I talk about her and I'm like, I want to talk to you out loud. And I can't do this with all spirits, by the way. It's just because of the connection I have with my sister. I'll sit here and I'll be like, Jordan, I want a hug. I need a hug. And I'll feel her hugging me, like physically hugging me. Or if you're making jokes about her, the lights will flicker. But I can contact her by saying aloud, I want to talk to you. I can go into meditation. But she does reach out to me quite a bit. And I get this a lot with all sorts of spirits. And this is somewhat dangerous and somewhat frightening. Um, So my sister sometimes, along with other spirits, will take hold of my consciousness. Meaning, if I'm in the grocery store, and this has happened before, and I have no control over it, I have not figured out how to get control over it. Someone can contact me by hijacking my vision and hijacking my consciousness. So I'm looking at like a grocery store shelf. Now I'm seeing a spirit wherever they are at. I'm no longer there. I'm just standing staring at a shelf. And I'll communicate with them through, I guess, what you would call telepathy. But it's it through the consciousness, not through the spoken word. And I will essentially be taken out of my body and thrown into wherever they called me to. And my sister does do this to me. And I can choose to do this at will. But the way it works a lot of times, it's not by will. So there's multiple points of contact for us. Um, We do keep in touch quite often. However, to say that it has helped with the process of grieving her, I think I would say it hasn't. It just changes how that process looks for me as compared to other people. Yeah, of course, right? Like it it wouldn't make it any easier. It's just different. Figured that this was the case that it's because you had that previous connection that you're able to do that and it's not the case just for anyone. And that makes total sense, right? Yeah, she really wants to be there for myself and her two daughters that she left behind. So in Jordan, she had so much life in her and her essence when she was alive was so strong and that didn't just disappear or go away. It just, it changed. And 
So when she does pop up for people, because I'm not the only one who's had experiences with her in my, my quote unquote family, it is unmistakable. Like, for example, my family was talking about her one day and the light started flickering. And it wasn't like a power outage sort of thing or the light bulbs just needed to be changed. It was unmistakably right after her name was spoken. And sometimes you'll hear footsteps if you talk about her. Yeah, she makes herself known. <laughs> it's, it's it's also probably interesting too because I've had the understanding that just because someone has, I guess, like quote-unquote crossed over, as you've already kind of said, that doesn't mean that they can't suddenly come back. Because I think that's the thing that, I don't know, if people do have the understanding of, you know, there is an afterlife, but I feel like, yeah, so many people do feel like there is this, like, that's it, you've you've moved on. But as you just explained there, that, no, especially for someone like yourself where you can kind of, you know, be on both sides, but, you know, so can they. They can bring themselves. And I'm assuming for her to have those interactions with you, that must take a lot of her energy, correct? Oh, definitely. But don't worry about that. She always had plenty to spare. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, it, it really does take a lot for them to materialize in a way. Not necessarily materialize like their body is there, but for them to interact with objects. That takes a lot of energy. I mean, it takes a lot of energy for me to interact with quote-unquote objects on the other side. So I can only imagine what it's like for them. But interacting with us, it does take an immense amount of energy for them. So it's that's why it's so surprising to me sometimes when things come through as clear as they do. Because it's like, okay, you really want something out of this if you are banging on doors if you are creating footsteps, if you are knocking stuff off the shelves. Yeah, you've got something to say, don't you? <laughs> I think it's amazing. Once, you know, I love having these conversations. I don't know, it, it's not far-fetched for me, you know, and just having conversations like this with like people like yourself where it's just like, yeah, you you get it, <laughs> you know, and it's, it is nice. It's just reaffirming because I'm always somewhat struggling with um, – not necessarily my belief. It's just when you look into these topics a lot and I guess similar to yourself, I would say, where people people probably seek you out in the you know, in the living world too, to ask you questions and you know, you kind of become that known person who almost holds answers to things or, you know, at least the interest from my sort of point of view. And um it becomes a lot and a lot of the stuff is this is what I mean, where it's not just like it's not just a hobby, you know, because having these conversations or even just having these thoughts sometimes really weighs on your mind a lot. And I've, you know, I've had conversations with people where it's like, I don't know how to just exist regularly now because you've kind of opened my mind up to something or you've just reaffirmed something. And I don't know, it's, yeah, it's really, it's a difficult one. Um, but I'm hoping more and more people, which it kind of does seem like it's going that way, are opening themselves up to this material. And I mean, just having the respect, I think, is all I can really ask. Yeah, I just think this this stuff's really important. 
you know, the more I'm speaking to you, the more it sounds like to me that you have memories that you can't access about things surrounding this subject and that you have had interactions and maybe something latent that for whatever reason is just getting kind of like switched off i'm not sure maybe i maybe i could be wrong maybe i'm reading the situation no no like the fact that you say that i yeah i i have that thought quite often i probably need to look more so inwards as well and probably find those answers but yeah i don't know it's as i've kind of said i i have sort of detached myself a little bit more with this subject matter just because i don't know life kind of goes on and other things kind of happen but there's always these questions you know and you saying that there could be something more to my past um that i haven't quite cracked makes i mean that resonates massively with me and i'm not sure what what that is it could be along the lines of this stuff, definitely probably align, you know, along the lines of the ET kind of phenomena as well. Once again, it's a lot, a lot of weird sort of synchronicities with that stuff with me as well. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I always feel like there's probably more questions than answers, unfortunately, for me with this material. Yeah, I just see a boy in his pajamas, like being taken out of his bed and he's kind of freaking out. But then he remembers that He's seen these before and he knows what they are. I'll be honest with you. Um, my death at three years old, it's done a lot more for me than just being able to see spirits. And one of the things that I hate the most, that it has, some people would say gifted, I say cursed, is that um, I can actually see people's memories and it feels invasive for me. Um, and sometimes I hear people's thoughts and I really hate that. So there are times when I know more about a person than sometimes they know about themselves. And it is quite terrifying. Um, but I've learned how to get along and live my life knowing these things and interacting with people as if I don't know these things. So. I don't know how beneficial you would determine it to be to know what happened or if anything happened. But by whatever means, you'd want to go about it in the future, if at all. There are people who can help without people like myself. I know that probably seems really weird and invasive. And <laughs> no. It's off topic, perhaps. No, no, not at all. Um, you wouldn't believe how all of this always just kind of comes up. Here I am interviewing you, right? And I always hate that it kind of comes back to me. But I guess that that is just the nature of this. But you're helping. I don't know if you see that by talking to me about, and part of it for me too is talking to people who've had these experiences because I've not met a single person in person who has had an abduction experience or would even to want to admit to it. Really? I've had, yeah, no, like no one. Well, the Midwest is a little different. 
Okay. So where I'm at in America, very Christian <laughs> and not, not shit talk Christianity. But, you know, if I were to say go west in the country I'm in, okay, yeah, I'd find people who can open up about it. But where I'm at right now, you're not going to find a whole lot of people who are willing to open up because where I'm at currently in the Midwest, there's a stigma, still a big stigma. Like there are people who believe extraterrestrials exist. That's where the topic ends. Otherwise, you're a kook. You're a nut. (laughs) And I have been shunned by a whole community. I actually grew up in a small rural farm town where there were four churches for a thousand people. And I walked into one one time and someone was making jokes about aliens or whatever. And I was like, I was one. I'm like 10 years old at the time. I had not heard of star seeds. I had not heard of anything like that. And I was shunned by the community. So where I'm at, there is a stigma about it. So it's good for me to talk to people, like have these actual conversations. So I don't, I can't change how you feel. I just hope maybe knowing that that helps me and that takes some of that guilt off of you. No, 100%. No, that's, that's. I mean, it's not great to hear that you were shunned, of course, but um, yeah, to to hear that it's giving you a chance to speak because, yeah, I don't know. It's, I just, yeah, it's, it's just important, honestly, to have, to be able to have your story told and I, I get it because obviously, you know, from me speaking, uh, over all these years, I think it's been, yeah, very therapeutic. Also very confusing <laughs> as well, um, <laughs> of course, because I feel like, yeah, it always, you always end up with more questions. I am super grateful that I actually had a coworker recommend this podcast to me. Oh, really? And I am so grateful that I found it because I don't feel so crazy anymore. Here are people talking about their experiences and I'm like, Oh my goodness, you mean all the doctors were wrong? Because I have had so many doctor visits as a child. My parents were convinced that I was insane. And especially child psychology in the early 2000s was so messed up. They were like, here, take all these pills. I was like seven years old and I was on five different pills that adults would be on. Adult prescribed adult dosage and nothing went away. Nothing way and nothing changed i just felt like crap (laughs) but it's nice to know that i'm not crazy no and i still go back and forth debating am i crazy am i delusional so much to the point where i've seen several therapists several doctors and i've asked all of them am i schizophrenic are these things actually happening and i've actually thrown doctors into an existential crisis because they're listening to me talk. And I think for the first time in their lives, they're maybe, I don't know, maybe they're encountering a person for the first time who it's not a mental illness. And I really hope that by talking about this and people getting these things out there, that, you know, people can explore more of their experiences other than just going into the avenue of, 
I need pills, I'm crazy. Because maybe you're not crazy. The only way we treat people with these types of experiences is to be like, oh, you need medication. Oh, you need hospitalization. And that's what happened to me as a child. And so much trauma stemmed around that. And I still am terrified of doctors to this day. <laughs> it's just amazing, I think, the people who are out there who, well, first of all, are happy to come forward. And, you know, I appreciate you having the trust as well for doing so because I get it. It's 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 frightening, <laughs> you know. It's I, I don't like necessarily even doing interviews on other people's podcasts just because it's so it's out of my hands you know where the conversation's going to go and everything like that but yeah I just think it's just it's important I, and um people will get a lot out of this even some episodes you know not so much episodes which I'm speaking with someone but even you know when I'm doing an episode by myself I go oh, surely like people aren't gonna find anything in this but then there's always someone you know, who will kind of reach out or or even, you know, people who disagree and they'll let you know. And I'm like, well, that's, I'm glad because there's more of a conversation, more of a dialogue around this stuff. It's, I don't know. I just think it's, um, it's just needed. I re- I'm massively, like, I'm very appreciative of your time and just getting to hear about your life. And I'm grateful that you opened up to me too because, that did help me a lot. And that's really what I just want for the next upcoming generations. And I really don't think it should be taboo because why can't there be overlap in realms? Why can't there be overlap in worlds? Why can't there be interaction with something more than us? I mean, our ancestors did it, you know, and that was pretty normal for them, especially if you're speaking from like an animistic standpoint. We still have indigenous cultures today who are like, yeah, no, this is real. And I really want the whole world to get on board with at least being able to conceptualize. This is reality for some people. They're not insane. Well, there you go. There was my interview with Dylan about the afterlife being a death doula. I hope you guys got something out of that conversation. It was extremely valuable to myself and once again just getting more of a sense of how I think we all fit in uh, just here in our time on earth you know and what happens sort of afterwards and I think it's important to discuss and I feel like more than ever of late I'm getting a really strong sense of what all that is and it's quite comforting actually not to have to subscribe to a certain religion or anything like that or but the fact of we'll do go somewhere and you know it is in our control I think that is extremely comforting I don't see how that really couldn't be but yeah I really appreciate Dylan being so open because as you can kind of tell this is uh, pretty new for her to be speaking on a platform like this uh, about her particular situation and as I mentioned, you know, her also being an experiencer with the ET abduction phenomenon, which is often a lot harder to speak about, but you'll definitely hear her in the future uh, on Paranormal Thoughts speaking about her experiences because there's, it's just interesting how all of this is somehow connected, you know, people who are somewhat interested or kind of drawn to one element 
typically have these crossovers. And yeah, I feel like hearing her experience in that too is also going to be very benefiting. It was extremely benefiting to myself. And that's probably just a little tease there for what's to come. But um, yeah, thank you so much to Dylan. And thank you guys so much for listening. And please make sure you're subscribed. If you know anyone who might be interested in the podcast, please feel free to share. That's how Dylan came across the podcast. Someone suggested it to her. So uh, yeah, it's a really great way to spread the word because uh, I feel like the things that were of late we've been talking about on Paranormal Thoughts are yeah, sort of pretty important um, to those who are open to this and you know can really benefit. So yeah, I'll leave it there for now, guys. But thank you so much and I hope to catch you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye.